Welcome to Coffee and Converse. I'm Diane and this is a show for lifestyle entrepreneurs, those people building a business to support their life instead of living to build a business. If this is you, stick around for strategies on doing business more efficiently with more ease and in a way that feels oh so good to you. Hey, hey, everyone. I met this week's guest, Shauna Van Bogart, who is a transformative change agent for small business owners at an event, you know, back when we could still travel. And she introduced me to her primer book concept. Think vision board on steroids, but way more practical and way more organized. And she instantly became my go-to person when I have practical questions around manifestation and mindset. Because, you know, often the advice in this area is super vague, but Shauna gives step-by-step action-based suggestions, which I love because they don't require me to believe anything. I just need to do it. So I'm super excited to introduce her to you as well. Hey, Shauna, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so excited for this chat. Me too. So let's start a little bit with your business journey, because you've changed a few things along Mm -hmm. the way. Mm -hmm. It's all been under the umbrella of transformation. But when I came into self-employment in 2007, it was into the image consulting industry. So I was quite literally working with people transforming their image. And that included appearance, behavior, communication training, and using those tools to reach their goals. And over the years, it's just gone deeper and deeper and deeper. So I know transformation inside and out with all the tools. And at this point, all the way down to the depths of the subconscious, as I just received my master hypnotherapist certification last year. So everything's been under that umbrella. And I I went from quite a, a wide audience with image consulting to narrowing down on service providers and personal brands as business owners. So Shauna, I'm a little concerned that we might have somebody listening who is kind of like, me and on that side of like, look, this manifestation stuff, I'm not 100% sure about it. So if somebody's feeling that way listening to this, before we dive into what we're going to talk about today, how do we just frame this so that they can still take away from this interview? Well, there's several angles that I could take with you. And I love these. These are my people because I'm incredibly practical, very practical. That's probably my default. And I took that almost to an extreme too much to where I needed to leave the door open for a little bit of magic to happen, as I would say. And one of the conversations that I would probably engage in is on the mindset side would be looking at the subconscious instead of thinking it's this woo, spiritual, like universe, whatever. Like, let's just get clear on what tapes have been running from a really young age around whatever it is we're dealing with, because that is very practical and that can be quantified in in a lot of ways. And that's where I'm dealing with people in unearthing these conflicts that we have at play. You know, for example, I have to work hard to get what I want is a very common mindset tape that most entrepreneurs have. And we can track that back to a childhood where we had a parent maybe that was obsessed with entitlement or you only got rewarded for A pluses. You know, you had to work hard to get things, you know, and we look at how well that's serving you at this point. And those things serve you, but at some point they stop or things stagnate and we have to change the narratives up. So really, a lot of manifestation comes back down to what's happening in our mind, the narratives, and then rewriting those. And that's very practical. So if I stay with that example of I have to work hard, when somebody moves into more of a manifestation space and starts to visualize what they want and starts to kind of trust that it could happen, and it happens, it's more that they're recognizing that it's happening, whereas before their internal tape would have stopped it and been like, you don't deserve this thing. 
So therefore the opportunity, when you see it, you don't take it. Absolutely. And even when we do earn it, the internal struggles we have when it looks like we're about to receive something are still there. I mean, we have, there's so much awkwardness around receiving and we say we want so much, but then when it starts to look like it's showing up, for example, we're actually in the home buying process right now and we have our dream home under contract. And the closer that it gets to that close date is when all of the second guessing, all of the doubt, all of the worry, all of the anxiety tends to come up. And this happens to all of us. All of us have stories like this where we're so excited. It looks like we're going to get that dream client closed or whatever. And then the mind starts turning, right? So it's actually a more practical conversation around mindset versus some kind of spiritual universal deity that's going to perform some magic. It just feels like magic to us because we're letting it happen. It is. Well, and you know, trust trust is part of it. I don't care what you what you decide to believe in or trust in, but you do need trust. If we don't trust, we're in control. And any successful business owner will tell you that if you're in control 100% of the time, you're completely off track. In fact, you're probably leaving money on the table. So trust is a major, major part of this, but it could be just trust in your higher self, trust in your inner knowing, trust in things working out in your favor, trust in God, trust in literally whatever, but you need to leave the door open and to take your hand off the wheel. I like what you said earlier about just leave the door open for a little magic. Yeah. Because we've all had those moments of just everything suddenly clicked and you were like, I don't know how that happened. I'm just going to try not to make a move so that I don't right. accidentally disturb this. See, and there you go. And that's another part, the, another part of it too that I work through with my, with my audience is like, how do we get out of that? Because that's unnecessary. Like, okay, don't move. Don't screw it up. You know, and that's where, again, trust. But I like to say, you know, the universe never toys with you. And so when that little bit of magic is coming in and things are falling into place, we have an, a choice at each point where our mind starts to spin. We have a choice to go deeper into that head spinning and that overthink, or we have a choice to just stick with a very clean, simple narrative and just shut it up, right? And so one of them that I always say is the universe doesn't toy with me. So if all of this is coming together effortlessly and all of this is just snapping into place, I'm not going to go into all of this. I'm just going to stick with universe doesn't toy with me. I'm a receiver. You know, it wouldn't dangle something in front of you and then yank it away from you. There's nothing vindictive about the receiving process. <laughs> so let's dive into the receiving process because I know for you, that's a huge component of how we actually get business success. Yeah. And the question you usually start with is like, how are you at taking a compliment? Mm -hmm. And that is such an interesting space because especially as women, we're taught to kind of brush it off. And then I obviously come from the more British upbringing where it's like doubly like shake it off. So that is a really awkward place. And it's even more awkward for me when I see somebody get given a compliment and then they go, oh, I received that. Not even like I would be awkward saying it. It just feels like such an awkward thing to say. Mm. Like I would say thank you and move on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, so it's the semantics that are awkward for you. Yeah, but when people are like actively receiving, yeah, it's just this, this completely bizarre experience for me. Yeah. So I can see how we're really bad at it. Yeah, yeah. But how does that then show up in our businesses? And then how do we get better at it? Yeah, well, that right there, that's an interesting example. That might quite literally just be semantics and the style. I might, thank you. You know, that's still that's still equally as valuable as someone who, you know, sits there and says, I received that. That might make me feel awkward too, because 
Sometimes maybe it's just coming across disingenuous. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. But what it looks like in your business. Yes. So receiving your clients, you know, effortlessly feeling like any work that you're doing in your business equates to to the rewards and then some. It looks like attracting the people that you need to support you and actually allowing that support in. How many business owners make the hire, but then micromanage their hires? Or how many business owners are constantly disappointed by the people they're hiring because they haven't quite been able to let go of the clutch of doing it their way. They can't see that there's perhaps other better ways out there. And so they don't allow that support in. It can manifest as getting testimonials and not believing what they say. And so you're still struggling with, is this a value? Am I going to really help this person? I think pre like a lot of mindset work, I was definitely of the, oh, they're just being nice. They're kind of my friend and they don't want to be mean. Yep. Whereas now I'm actually like, hmm, I feel like you could have ramped that up a little bit. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I feel like you've forgotten to mention these 17 things, but yeah. it's taken a lot of mindset to get there. Yeah. But I think I haven't considered what my mind tells me when somebody pays me money, when somebody gives me a referral, when somebody offers to help for no reason. Very British. Don't want to be a bother. So receiving help is probably the most uncomfortable I get. It's connected to giving, right? I mean, we could take this from a very altruistic place, and it is true that if we want to give big, we first and foremost have to get big. But what we hear is give to get. And I reverse that. I think the easiest example in the world is I just became a mom, right? And moms give so much. On any given day, I could be really cranky about having to do the dishes or clean up because I'm doing so much. The same circumstances could be at play. And the next day, it's totally fine. I have no quandaries about it. I'm in a good mood, whatever. What is the difference between those two days? One is my cup is empty or near empty, and one is my cup is full and I'm giving from the overflow. And so you have to receive actively in big ways if you want to give big. And many of us, because we've heard you have to give to get, are trying to go out there and give, 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 whether that's impact or service or whatever in our businesses, and we're not actively receiving whether that's like truly believing your clients when they tell you how you've changed their world or changed their business or appreciating the money that's coming in. And gratitude is a big part of this. And you know, gratitude's been scientifically studied for decades now. We know the benefits of gratitude. But what I teach and what I go into with my clients is to go deeper than that because gratitude's not enough. And so really the conversation is around self-worth. And I'm sure when you started to do some of the mindset work, you were touching on self-worth to get you to a place where you're like, you can beef up that testimonial. You shifted your self-worth level and relationship, I imagine. Yeah, through baby steps with asking for help where it didn't have like some big meaning around it. The person could say no, and it wasn't some reflection of me. You know, I come from that corporate background where, heaven forbid, as a female, you showed an inch of weakness. And that's where like, I would love to get my hands on them to help them snap into place a different way of being because you have to see and rewrite your definition of strength and weakness. And that is so common, right? Like to ask for help and to reach out. And I mean, this, this story around weakness, which is unique for all of us based on our upbringing, what we saw, what society tells us, where we live, that is a really deep rooted one. But by nature of the way you're talking about it, Reaching out for support in and of itself takes so much courage 
What do you think is stronger, continuing to reach out in that vulnerability or just remaining where you are? It takes strength to reach out. And so by nature of reaching out to get that support and reaching out to ask people to help you, it's one of the strongest things in the world that you can do. And when you take that perspective, you're like, actually, yeah, that requires a lot of courage. And you can then, you know, anchor into that narrative. And then if we can even further take that into like a hypnosis track or put that in some guided imagery for your meditation. So we're changing the tape underneath that's running, you know, while you're going about your day, then even better. I think one of the things that really clicked for me on that journey about being able to receive help was actually thinking how good it feels to help someone else. And therefore I'm kind of aching that from someone. So it stopped being about me receiving help. And if I said no, I was taking from mm-hmm. someone. And so that was a really interesting reframe for me to be like, hey, there's this kind of cycle. I need to pay someone for a service they do for me so that somebody can pay me for the service that I do for them. And it yeah. kind of goes in that nice cycle. Well, you kind of just proved my point, which is great because giving oftentimes is receiving at the same time. And it feels so good to support people, right? It feels like a gift. It feels like something I'm receiving versus something I'm giving. And so again, we come back to receiving. And most of the time, 90% of the time, it's a mindset shift. So you went from a contracted, retractive mindset to something that feels expansive, something, and it was predicated on receiving. There are infinite opportunities throughout our day to tap into receiving just like that. But we have to see what we've normalized. And it's really hard to see what we've normalized in those blind spots without having a third party to do so and to help you out. It kind of takes away from that you have to find your limiting belief and remove it, which we all know is true. But that's almost an impossible thing for somebody to understand. Yeah. yeah. Until you see that limiting belief, you just have no idea of its existence. Yes. Yeah. And suddenly now, if we start to talk about receiving, yep. that's something that I can look for because I know what that looks like. Yeah. I might not be able to fix the tape underneath it, Yeah, but I should be able to at least like incrementally lift myself. Well, yeah. If you have the conscious awareness of it, that's huge. As someone who teaches this, I mean, just last night, again, I was talking to my mom over text and we were talking about the baby and, you know, feeding and breastfeeding and whatnot. And I said something about being lazy around pumping because it's just so much easier to breastfeed. And she goes, no, breastfeeding is a convenience. She goes, I'm just trying to give you your own advice. Receive that. It's a gift. And I was like, see, there you go. Like, it's just our our mind, it's on autopilot. It's what it's supposed to do, you know? And so we just get stuck in these, these narratives. But what we don't understand is those are the narratives that are quite literally turning into our future. We're getting more of the same based on our thoughts, right? So you got to choose. Every single day, you've got to choose. And sometimes you have to choose the narrative every 10 minutes. What is a kind of practical way that somebody listening to this could immediately do something that makes them more aware of or more open to receiving right now? The biggest thing is to take a pause. It's really hard, but take a pause before you start going into problem-solving mode. Because when you immediately start jumping into problem-solving mode, when you encounter anything that feels like a challenge or you've got to fix, you're really missing the gold that is going to transform and offer an opportunity for you to go in a different direction. So take quite literally 10 seconds before you want to go into, how can I fix this? Even if it's mindset work, before you even go into the mindset work, before you even get into your journal to think about what you're thinking about, just pause. And really like just see what's coming up. I like to say like, let your inner child have their day in court. 
you know, because usually it's like in our world, we call like the inner child talking, the subconscious talking. You have to sort of master the rules in order to break them, but you can't master them if you have no idea what it's saying. And so you have to just listen and let it come up. We're really bad at doing that though, because we want to say, well, I'm not allowed to have those feelings or that feels icky or I shouldn't complain or I shouldn't be that way. or I shouldn't have that thought. So, you know, one thing that my clients walk away with is they, they know to honor anything that comes up as like awful as that chatter might sound to you. You need to know what it's saying if you want to really change it. That's the hardest thing, but the the best thing you could start doing. That doesn't sound like a lot of fun. I'm not going to lie. So in my in my community, we do this thing called release and receive R&R sessions together. And it is a space for us to vent. It's a dedicated space to show up and complain, which is highly productive because we've we've created this narrative around complaining. And yes, there are wrong ways to do it that are completely unproductive, but it's the same thing. Like we need, that is a form of self-care actually to allow ourselves to say what we want to say and know that most of the time it's not true. Most of the time we, it doesn't mean anything, but it means something to you and it's causing reactions out of you, which then trigger behavior out of you that's leading you to get less than desirable results and circumstances. So um, letting that come up actually feels oddly like icky, but at the same time, kind of like nourishing to be able to just like sit with it. So if I'm doing that, like if I'm just like verbally processing something, I'm just word vomiting down boxer to like my biz bestie or something. I find that as soon as I say it out loud, it's almost like I can hear why it's not true. But I wonder if there's something, and I haven't tried this, but I wonder if there's something in even just saying it out loud to yourself. Oh, you absolutely can. What I would recommend is just get into Voxer and send yourself voice notes. You don't have to listen to them, but just talking to yourself out loud, absolutely. But I do think there's some power in like expressing it to a note because it is like you're saying it to a third person. And I think there's something powerful in the witness part of that being witnessed. And then because, I mean, think about a time where you have allowed something to come up and you've expressed it to someone and they've been able to receive that for you and just hold that space. Again, another like gold moment that we so often overlook or contain for ourselves that that really can be transformative. I think actually a lot of transformation happens in those moments where we admit something or say something vulnerably in front of someone and someone else has the capacity to just sit there and be with it for us. Yeah, to not fix it, to not try and change anything about it, or you just be there. I mean, can you imagine if we did that more for ourselves, what that would do? I think it's interesting, the idea of doing it into Voxer as well, because I don't know that I would want to listen to it really soon. Yeah. But that might be a really interesting thing to look back on and be like, wow, okay, I really like believe this thing. Where else is that showing up? From a self-coaching perspective, you know, if you don't have access to somebody who can help and who can guide you. Yeah. If people want to get a little taste of the Shauna experience yeah. and get better, if, they, if they're like having the complete heebie-jeebies at the side, <laughs> any of these ideas that we've talked about, first of all, I completely feel you. There yeah. has been a lot of mindset work for me to just be able to have this conversation and talk openly about this stuff. So I feel you. But where can they get a a taster of how they can start to be better receivers? Yeah, so I've created a special gift for your audience. So if you go to shaunavanbogart.com forward slash coffee and converse, I've opened up the recording of our Abundance Treasure Hunt workshop that was only for our audience. So that's a 60-minute workshop. I love it. I like to do my trainings kind of experiential. And my whole goal in everything I do is to show up and shift with me 
rather than just another learning thing you sit and take notes on. Like, let's let's do it in there. And it, this one's fun because I walk you through this kind of simulation where I hope to trigger some of those thoughts out of you very easily. And it, no one has to worry that it's going to be like super vulnerable or emotional. It's not like that. It's quite, it's quite fun. They're like kind of exaggerated simulations. So in that workshop, The Abundance Treasure Hunt, we're going to see where you're containing those desires and that abundance through the the narratives and this process that we've been talking about here. So shaunavanbogart.com forward slash coffee and converse, they can get access to that free workshop that I do. That's awesome. I have done this when Shauna's run it in the past and it is a very, I would say unique experience. I don't want you to think it's like a workshop, like you would go to a normal workshop. It is very much in the moment, but also very safe and non-scary. Yeah. You know, I think people hear mindset and they're like, oh, I'm so scared of what's going to yeah, come up. Yeah. And then I, I won't be able to put it like, oh, can of worms, can't close. <laughs> but it's nothing like that. It's, it's actually really, it's probably one of the more fun mindset things that you'll ever get to do. So I highly recommend it. That's, I'm so glad to hear you say that because uh, that also in being in mindset and, and performance coaching for so long and transformation, it gets to be easy and it gets to be fun. And I think, I think sometimes we forget that. I think some coaches sometimes forget that. And there's a lot of information out there that's highly misguided. And if you don't know what you're doing as a coach, like you could take people into some dark corners and not know what to do there or actually lead people astray. And you you oftentimes don't – it's challenging work, mindset work, as you know. But a lot of times we're creating cycles where we're looking for problems in our mindset work. And so I'm a coach who's like, no, 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 we're not going to continue to like go deep into like what's wrong and fixing. And you actually said a word earlier, which was, I think you said to remove the blocks. And I'm like, no, actually has nothing to do with removing. It's releasing, which is a totally different movement and is frankly easier. So I'm all about the fun and the easy approach to this stuff because that's what it's supposed to ultimately feel like in the end. Yeah. I'm all for dealing with mindset stuff that is coming up and in some way inhibiting me and not digging for the mindset stuff that no, isn't. No, don't dig. Don't, you never. Leave that where it is. <laughs> if you're digging, you're off track. If you're digging, you're off track. Let it, again, receive. Like it's going to come to you when you need to work through it at the time you need to work through it. You should never be digging. Yeah. And when you're ready, like when you're able to deal with. Absolutely. Dealing. Awesome. Okay. So whew, let's come back from all of that. Like, oh, I love, I love when I get like personal coaching from my guests. It's great. But to finish up, I always ask my guests two questions. The first one is what is your number one lifestyle boundary for your business? What comes up right away is probably around my intuition. Discernment's really important to me. And if I can't get to a full gut, yes, in, in like my lifestyle and in my business, it's a no. And if I don't operate that way, I mean, everything is, is harder in my, in my life. Like when it comes down to where we live and how we do things like that, I have to honor number one for everything else to work. And how do you explain that to other people when you're saying no to something, which on the surface say looks like a magical opportunity Yeah, and you have to say no. And I know that no is a complete sentence, but that can also be a really difficult, complete sentence. So how do you, I don't want to say explain your decision, but how do you let that person down gently and they're like, I just offered to put you in front of 50,000 people. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I once had this program called the Yes Diet because I am so good at saying no. And I love teaching people how to set those boundaries of no. And the actual like strategic way to say no to someone is to sandwich it. So appreciate, 
drop the no, and then follow up with another form of appreciation. And so that's, I mean, quite literally how to say no. And then the other thing is to just remind yourself that when you do say yes, when you really need to be saying no, you're not serving anyone, including them. So sometimes we get into this, again, story around, oh, it's so selfish and what am I doing? But you have to think about the other person. I know I wouldn't want someone saying yes who only has one foot in and one foot out. I don't want that. Like, please save me the time. Please don't commit unless you're 100% on board because it does make everything more difficult for all players. So keep coming back to that. Does that help? I like that because it's kind of like it's kind of like a receiving sandwich. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity. Yes. No, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. And always great if you have a referral. Like always, if you happen to have somewhere you can send them, that always helps too in the moment where at least you're offering something, you have something to give them. But you don't even need that as well. You have every right to be able to say no. And just remember that it doesn't serve anyone if you're going to be able to only give it 50%. It's an interesting combination because some people are so gut people, like they're like intuitively, I know this is the wrong move. Yeah. And some people are so data driven that when those two meet, like yeah. the, it's very easy for the data person to say no, because yeah. it's like, no, and here are my 17 reasons and my pro con <laughs> list and here's everything you need. Yeah. And I always feel bad. Like if I'm working with somebody who is more intuitive and they need to say no to something. Yeah. It is so much harder for them because they feel like this justification is required. And they're probably more empathic as well. So they're picking up on this on, on the feelings of the other person. Perhaps a lot of that tends to be story. People are adults, right? Like we, we assume they're not going to be able to handle the no. So I would push back on that and say as well, you know, who are you to cast judgment on them that they're not strong enough to hear a no? Right. And that and so that right there doesn't feel good. So I would rather say no than realize that, oh yeah, I'm I'm like assuming this person isn't strong enough to hear me say no to them. That doesn't feel good, right? So that one is worse to me than the feeling guilty, you know, so I'll say no. Yeah, I would much rather somebody said no to me up front than drop the ball on me right before they were supposed to deliver like the one is a no thank you and the other one is a massive inconvenience relationship yeah. disaster so I'm always like if I say yes to this and then I have to pull out yes. what is that gonna do yes like if I'm having a moment of like I don't want to do this but I'm feeling like I need to say yes yeah. like because I'm programmed to say yes yeah, exactly I should say yes then I start to think about okay what happens when I actually have to deliver this yeah how's that gonna feel what's that gonna look like and you know what? Here's the thing too that you can say to yourself if you're still struggling with this. If that person gets offended by you saying no, which is the right answer for all parties, then you were right. You, you've just proven that you were right to say no. Exactly. One less person you need in your network. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. Final question. This one's a toughie. What's the worst piece of cookie cutter advice you've ever had as a lifestyle entrepreneur? It is so hard. And it's such a good question. Okay, here it is. So I went to college for entrepreneurship and we wrote so many business plans, like formal structured business plans. And when I started my business, my image consulting business, I would sit in Starbucks making my business plan. I didn't use that damn business plan. I didn't even reference it. And so one of the pieces of advice that I think is kind of a waste because it's very unique to certain very specific kind of circumstances is writing a business plan. That's an interesting one because for me, so I come from a massive like planning background. My job was to work out how much all of my trading desks or businesses were going to make, explain it every single day when we didn't hit like daily targets. Yeah. And so I come from a real numbers background. Yeah. And entrepreneurs struggle with revenue planning. <laughs> yeah. 
Like, I do not even know how somebody can tell a, a new baby entrepreneur, write a business plan. That would be a struggle for me to do. When everything changes as you're doing, I don't know how many days, weeks I dedicated to this document. I could have been out there doing test clients which would have given me a lot more information about how to structure my business than sitting down in front of my computer at Starbucks writing out a 50-page business plan based on research I'm finding online, you know, for for a service-based business, an influencer-based business. But that's what they tell you to do. You go to like free business courses in your area, at least here, and they'll tell you write a business plan, you know. So that was uh, that is a piece of advice that unless you're seeking investment and you're working with a bank to to acquire funds, then obviously you need it. But for these types of businesses, mm-mm. we're not saying not plan. We're just saying you don't need to formalize a business document. You do not need to write the document that has all of those components. Yeah. When you go Google business plan, it's such a dangerous space, right? Because people are like, here's what your launch number should be, and here's what this is. It, like, if that's the first time you're doing anything, yeah, everyone is guessing. Yeah, everyone. No matter how much you have paid the business coach or the launch coach or the launch coordinator or your Facebook ads person, until you've actually done the thing at least once, it is a complete guess. Totally. And so that whole business plan, yes, there's research in it around the market and everything, but you're right. Until you actually go and try and sell something to someone, you have no idea. No idea. Just learn through doing learn through doing in those beginning years. Cause yeah, you don't know what you don't know and you're going to adapt your own style as well. And how many times, how many times have you changed pricing in over the year? Oh my God. I can't even count how many times I've, how many times have I changed what I'm selling? Exactly. I've been on like an entire journey with my business as my mindset work happened. This has been amazing. I love how practical you are about the stuff that is sometimes difficult to get your hands around. I want everybody to go and do the abundance treasure hunt. That's such a kind gift to give to my audience. Please take advantage of that. But in the meantime, if they want to carry on this conversation with you, where's the best place for them to connect with you? Yep. My Instagram for sure. Shauna Van Bogart. And recently I started, I've started calling it a party profile. I started this profile called Master Receiver as just like a place to post funny stuff and memes and whatever that's less, you know, branded and and all of that. So you could check out Master Receiver too, where we're exclusively talking about what it looks like to receive and how to get out of your own way in that respect. Awesome. I'll be sure to link all of that up as well as the replay that you have gifted everyone. Fantastic. Yes. Thank you so much. I appreciate you and the gift for my audience. Yeah. Thank you for having me. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please head to iTunes to subscribe and leave us a review.